Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Tropical Storm Sam upgraded to hurricane. Latin America to push for closer regional cooperation. U.S. Special Envoy to Haiti quits over inhumane treatment of migrants. Unions in Antigua take action against mandatory vaccination. And regional organizations partner to advance sustainable energy mandate. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, September 24th. We start our report today with a look at the regional weather. The National Hurricane Center is issuing advisories on the recent upgrade of Hurricane Sam located about 14,000 miles east-southeast of the northern Leeward Islands. The center of Hurricane Sam was located near latitude 11.5 north, longitude 42.2 west. Sam is moving towards the west near 15 miles per hour, and this motion is expected to continue through tonight. A decrease in forward speed and motion towards the west-northwest are expected over the weekend. Maximum sustained winds have increased to near 75 miles per hour with higher gusts. Rapid intensification is forecast to continue, and Sam is likely to become a major hurricane tonight or early Saturday. Hurricane force winds extend outward up to 15 miles from the center and tropical storm force winds extend outward up to 60 miles. The system should be closely monitored by the northern Leeward Islands. At the time of our broadcast, there were no coastal watches or warnings in effect. Bahama News Net reports that in an address to the United Nations General Assembly on Wednesday, Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro condemned the United States criminal sanctions against his country, as well as the ongoing embargo against Cuba, and called on the world to reject the U.S. hegemony in favor of a multipolar world order. Maduro said Venezuela would this year move from resistance to recovery and praised the ongoing dialogue with the opposition that is taking place with Norwegian mediation. This showed he concluded that it is possible to confront imperial aggressions. Earlier this month at a summit of the Community of Latin America and Caribbean states in Mexico, participants discussed the future of the Organization of American States. In July, Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrado called on countries of the Latin America and Caribbean to create an autonomous regional organization to replace the OAS, something like the Latin American EU, and clearly insinuating that the community of Latin America and Caribbean states could fit this role. The article states that there are a few challenges to building up the community of Latin America and Caribbean states in a way that could tighten the region's integration. 
First, Latin America is still dependent on the United States and Canada for its economic development. This is why some leaders are in an awkward position in weighing pan-Latin America integration with their relations with the North and why some fear totally abandoning the OAS instead of reforming it. In the case of Mexico, the U.S. is its largest trading partner and a source of coronavirus vaccines. This is why the Mexican president has gone back and forth on whether or not to include the U.S. and Canada in its vision for an alternative to the OAS. Other countries face similar situations, not wanting to totally become a pariah to Washington and suffer the same fate as Cuba, Venezuela, or Nicaragua. The article further states that this is why alternative economic relations must be broached, and those possibilities already exist. For example, China has steadily ramped up its economic ties in the region to quickly become its second largest market. Certainly, that nation wants to see this trend continue as President Jinping made clear in his speech to the community of Latin America and Caribbean states over the weekend, which would only benefit Latin America in breaking free from dependence on Washington and promote South-South cooperation. The Hill reports that the U.S. Special Envoy to Haiti has resigned in protest over his nation's inhumane treatment of migrants, a move that represents the sharpest internal criticism yet of the Biden administration's handling of Haitian migrants. In a resignation letter, Daniel Foote, a former ambassador to Zambia, said that he could not be associated with inhumane, counterproductive decisions to deport thousands of Haitian refugees, according to USA Today. Foote further said that the U.S. approach to Haiti is deeply flawed and that the administration has ignored his advice. Our policy approach to Haiti remains deeply flawed, and my recommendations have been ignored and dismissed when not edited to project a narrative different from my own, Foote wrote in a letter which was published by PBS News. The resignation comes as the Biden administration faces intense backlash for its handling of Haitian migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border in Del Rio, Texas. Thousands of Haitians are seeking to enter the country, and the images this week of border agents on horseback corralling migrants struck outrage. Democrats have also been criticizing the resumption of flights deporting Haitians back to the island nation, which recently suffered a serious earthquake and saw its president assassinated over the summer. Foote was appointed as a special envoy to Haiti in late July, following the assassination of Haitian President Jovenel Moïse. He had previously served as deputy chief of mission in Haiti. 
Caribbean National Week reports that three worker unions in Antigua and Barbuda have sought legal counsel in an effort to challenge the government's vaccine mandate. The Antigua and Barbuda Public Service Association said that it has filed a lawsuit contesting the latest COVID-19 vaccination requirement issued by the government last week. According to the regulation, all government employees, including teachers, must get vaccinated by October 1st or remain at home unpaid for a period in which they fail to comply. According to the union, it is petitioning the court for judicial review of the government's policy and changes to the Public Health Act regulations, arguing they are arbitrary, irrational, and disproportionate, among other things. The association is also requesting that the policy be stayed until the case is solved in the high court. Warren Cassell, the union's leader, pointed out that this is not a constitutional motion, but rather an administrative law case seeking judicial review of the policy as well as the change to its regulations. The first step is to filter the data. To proceed, a plaintiff must first get authorization from the high court. According to the union's announcement, the court is anticipated to consider the motion for leave as soon as possible in accordance with the Eastern Caribbean Supreme Court civil procedure rules. The Antigua and Barbuda Trade and Labor Union had announced two days previously that it had received legal counsel and has begun the process to challenge the government's mandatory vaccination policy, but encourage its unvaccinated members to stay home until the matter was settled. This is due to the fact that an unvaccinated employee who attends work would be in violation of the Public Health Act Rules 2021 and would be subject to a $500 fine or imprisonment for up to one month. The Antigua and Barbuda Trade and Labor Union also indicated that the outcome of the legal action would be known by September 30th. As CARICOM member states race toward their respective renewable energy targets, two organizations serving the region have partnered to advance the Caribbean sustainable energy transition. The Caribbean Center for Renewable Energy and Energy Efficiency, a specialized energy agency of CARICOM, and the Caribbean Climate States Accelerator, a non-government organization, have teamed up signing a cooperation agreement to accelerate regional and national mandates for the adoption of renewable energy and energy efficiency technologies. This partnership comes amid fuel price volatility and during the unpredictable hurricane season, coupled with an unprecedented global pandemic. Globally, 
The energy sector is a significant contributor to the greenhouse gas emissions, which has been shown to increase the intensity of hurricanes, which impact the region. As such, the entities have agreed to partner on sustainable energy project development support through initiatives such as the Caribbean Center for Renewable Energy and Energy Efficiencies Project Preparation Facility. Knowledge and information sharing and the provision of technical and investment assistance for both renewable energy and energy efficiency interventions. Remarking on the cooperation agreement, the Caribbean Center for Renewable Energy and Efficiency Executive Director, Dr. Gary Jackson, shared that agreements such as these are just the catapult the region needs. The Caribbean Center for Renewable Energy and Efficiency believes in the power of partnerships for the benefit of Caribbean people. This partnership will operate within the regional energy landscapes and builds on our existing programs. It disapproves the notion that we are all working in silos, he said. The cooperation agreement between the two entities is expected to be in place for a period of four years with the option to extend. HaitianNews.net through Chinua News Agency reports that Cuba has put into effect a new legal framework that for the first time legalizes small and medium-sized enterprises on the island. It started this past Monday. Local entrepreneurs in the Caribbean nation initiated the application process either online or by attending offices set up by the government across the country's over 160 municipalities. The number of self-employed persons in the Caribbean nations has increased from around 157,000 in 2010 to more than 600,000 today. According to the Cuban Ministry of Labor and Social Security, the small and medium-sized enterprises will only be restricted to operate in a few fields, including education, public health, defense, garbage management, and mining. Accounting for 13% of the nation's workforce, local entrepreneurs on the island are now encouraged to export through state-operated enterprises. Navis Diaz, who runs Havana-based bike rental and repair shop Vila Cuba, expects to found one of the first small-size enterprises in the Caribbean nation. The 45-year-old told the Chinua News Agency that the new measures would improve the performance of the Cuban economy and ameliorate the economic relations between state and non-state sectors. With this new measure, I will be permitted to receive donations from international companies and import raw materials, she said. Under the new framework, small and medium-sized enterprises will not be allowed to hire more than 35 and 100 employees, respectively. With the new measure adoption by the government, Wang Sotolongo, coordinator of RFR Clorin, a local development project that uses flexible 
polyvinchloride PVC materials to manufacture rain boots dreams of exporting boots made in Cuba to neighboring Caribbean nations. The new regulations come into force amid the third wave of the COVID-19 pandemic in Cuba and the worsening of U.S. economic, commercial, and financial embargo against the island. And finally, Barbados Today reports that come next month, small business operators in Barbados and the rest of the Caribbean community, CARICOM, will have the opportunity to access up to $25,000 U.S. dollars in funding to help them improve their operations. Executive Director of the Caribbean Export Development Agency, Diodat Maharaj, announced on Tuesday that as a part of the agency's grants and technical assistance program, it would be introducing a new call for proposals in October, focusing mainly on female-owned businesses and youth. Within the context of our strategic plan, we believe we must focus on building the new economy, tapping into opportunities that will be created by the blue and green economies. For sure, we need to help our small businesses to prepare for this transition, given the possibilities for the sector just in terms of jobs, said Maharaj. We have been focusing these grants for projects on green technologies, innovation, and the digitalization of businesses with marginalized groups, including women and youth, being specifically targeted, he added. He was addressing the state sector conference of the Small Business Association Small Business Week 2021 on Tuesday, which was held under the theme, The Road to Resilience and Resourceful Recovery. The Caribbean Export Development Agency and the Caribbean Development Bank collaborated with the EU earlier this year to provide support for regional small businesses with finance and technical assistance. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, September 24th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and follow us on Facebook.